Well, welcome everyone to the Tori Says Show. Today is the 31st of May, 2022. And uh, it kind of feels like a slow day, doesn't it? And I thought we'd start with this Russian uh, composer, Prokofiev. That was the dance of nights. You know, in chess, uh, some people prefer losing a knight over losing, you know, maybe a bishop or a pawn. It all depends. So uh, I don't know about you guys, but today was extra slow. Uh, I do know that when I broadcast, uh, I do have a delay about, I, I want to say, 20 seconds. So I'll be hopping over just so that I don't miss, uh, you know, to thank you guys for rants or comments. But having said that, I am going to ask a question later on, and I will wait for everyone to answer uh, before we get into it. Now, uh, something interesting today that I saw happen, considering today has been pretty long. Um, is uh, everyone's upset that, you know, Sussman didn't, uh, you know, get found guilty. And, <laughs> and people wonder, like, why? Oh, well, you know, that's not the case. And no, 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 no. See, you know what sucks? People expect people to rectify a problem that is over a century old, well-rooted, instantly, because they said so. Oh, you've been working for so many years. You should not strike out. Actually, you should. I mean, the case was brought on in Washington, D.C. Therefore, the magic wheel was in full effect. Full effect of that magic wheel. What is a magic wheel? Well, I've talked about that before. I've made mention how they use software so that way they can scan an area of a thousand people, create a pool of 500 jurors that would be most likely to give the home base, uh, the verdict they want. And then no matter who you pick out of those people through Wadir, unless there's some anomaly, uh, you're not going to get anything out of it. In fact, uh, they'll make sure that you lose. See, this is how technology works and how AI works. It predicts. This is why I love... I absolutely adore, actually, playing against AI when I play video games. For example, backgammon. On the Tesla, I play with the super AI. I put it to the hardest setting uh, when I play backgammon. And even though uh, it knows how many moves ahead, all moves ahead till the end, it knows it always ends up with the unpredictability of what I can do. Give me a second. That's an alarm going off. And it just... Okay, no fires. No fires. Um, I don't know why it's going off. I think 
the building is doing something, so I apologize for that. I don't hear any ruckus, so I apologize. I had to run a few floors, so <laughs> forgive me for that. All right, guys. All right, so where were we? Magic wheels. <laughs> Magic wheels. So we all expect an outcome with no failures. And this is what is the most horrific thing for me. Because you cannot clean up and you cannot rectify a system that has been well ingrained into every single facet of this nation without having some hiccups and failures. For example, I have filed a, a defamation suit against Dominion twice. Once, and then again twice. Every single time it was filed, something new was learned. Every single time, there would be a response from a judge. You would take that response and work on when and how you can refile it again. <laughs> you know, it's always at the times where you're ready to give up as a person at any time that the impossible happens. What we must be doing is constantly pushing and pushing and pushing. That's all. You cannot expect things to just occur out of nowhere and that, uh, you know, you'll just have a victory straightforward. They're going to fight back and they're fighting back hard. Remember when I said on uh, New Year's, on New Year's, oh my gosh, I can't believe I said New Year's, during election night, that going forward, it's CNN that's going to be giving you the actual news, regardless if it's the news you want to hear, they'll at least be telling you most of the truth. So I thought, what better way than to discuss Sussman than to see what CNN, who would uh, love to see, you know, all of this go away, even though they say, oh yeah, they alleged it's only the beginning. Now everything's on the record. And now Durham has more. The magic wheel was implemented to pick the jury. So that's okay. When life hits you hard with a no, you wipe your knees and you say, you fight like a bitch and come back. Here's a clip. Please take a listen. Lawyer Michael Sussman has been found not guilty of lying to the FBI. It's the first trial of special counsel John Durham's investigation. That verdict, a big defeat for Prosecutor Durham and his team. They claim Sussman lied during a 2016 meeting where he passed a tip to the FBI about Donald Trump and alleged contacts with a Russian bank. Let's get straight to our senior justice correspondent, Evan Perez. Er Evan, tell us more. Well, John, uh, the jury took about seven hours uh, to reach this verdict and they reached a verdict of not guilty. Uh, Michael Sussman was uh, charged, as you pointed out, uh, with lying to the FBI in this September 2016 meeting. Uh, according to John Durham's prosecutors, this was really uh, an orchestrated effort on the part of Sussman working with the Hillary Clinton campaign in 2016 to try to dirty up, to try to smear Donald Trump. And they kept using uh, over this uh, 11 days of uh, uh, this trial has been going on, uh, they were using this essentially to put Hillary Clinton and her campaign 
on trial, even though obviously uh, she's not charged. Uh, there is no, uh, there were no, there were no allegations of, of a conspiracy. Uh, that's what this uh, dominated this uh, the, the, this trial here in D.C. court. Uh, the, uh, the, 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 the Sussman has been arguing uh, in response to this uh, that he didn't lie. And, and even if he did lie, he's saying uh, that the, uh, it made no difference, that Donald Trump was already under investigation or his campaign was already under investigation by the time these allegations were made in September 2016. Again, this is a big blow to John Durham, who was uh, hired, who was appointed by uh, Bill Barr uh, under Pre President Trump to try to get to the bottom of and try to find uh, things that were done wrong uh, as part of the Russia, Trump-Russia investigation back in one more uh, trial scheduled for October uh, against uh, a Russian analyst who helped collect some of the inf information that we now know went into the so-called dossier that was used, uh, that was used uh, to buy Hillary Clinton uh, against Donald Trump. So again, big, big uh, decision today on the part of this jury, not guilty after about seven hours of deliberations, John. Not guilty. Not guilty of what? Here's the deal. Apparently, they say that he's not guilty of uh, lying to the FBI. Well, he did lie because he knew that the data was false and manufactured. We talked about that ages ago, years ago, not now, years ago. And we talked about Sussman and Perkins Coey. The bottom line is, did he lie to the FBI? Yes. Can they prove that he knew that it was fake data? Not yet. See, everything has to be done methodically. Take, for example, my lawsuits with Dominion. The first one was done in federal court by just direct. Boom. The second was done by adding other defendants, and I did it in state court. Then it was moved into federal court. And then, seven months later, I get a response. Wrong venue, ma'am. Unfortunately, you can't sue them here. When everything was proper. Therefore, you take that decision and you see. If indeed, if indeed... It is the wrong venue, and there is no problem with the merits, then I'm good to go. See, sometimes you go places, and you file in certain areas, and you ask certain questions in order to test the temperature of the water and to gain information on the record. This is exactly how a case so massive can be taken. While many of you think that the Sussman thing is like, oh, it's just the beginning of wrong. Robert Bauer resigned in 2018 from Perkins Coey. Let's not forget that Sussman was working under Robert Bauer. And Robert Bauer and Sussman both handled the accounts of Obama for America, Hillary Clinton for America, and the DNC. They co-mingled their money. I've written extensive articles, but unfortunately, people don't read anymore. Therefore, huh, it's all news to them. You know, some title in Diara will come up and tell you all this news, and you'll be like, whoa, when it's been sitting on the shelf for four or five years. See, this has started a long time ago. 
If you think that the purpose of this trial is to get Hillary Clinton, you are so mistaken. Hillary Clinton did not command the FBI. Hillary Clinton did not command the CIA. Hillary Clinton did not command the DIA. She commanded absolutely fuck all. The person who commanded everything was Barack Hussein Obama. And when I say the impeachment of Barack Hussein Obama is imminent, I kid you not. While many of us were upset that there was a second impeachment while President Trump was no longer in office, I was elated. This is precedent. Once the president is out, you can still impeach them. Let's go. Now listen to the rest of this narrative. It's quite curious. I've been proud to appreciate the hustle outside the federal courthouse. Let's get some perspective now from Ellie Hone, chief of student legal analyst, former U.S. attorney. Uh, Ellie, so a defeat for Mr. Durham. Uh, what do you see as the significance here? Yeah, John, this is a stark rebuke to John Durham and his entire investigation, which has now been going for more than three years. This case was really the centerpiece of what John Durham has done so far. The jury rejected this. And it's worth noting, John, that the vast majority of federal cases, over 95% of all federal cases result in conviction. Most of those are by guilty plea. But even those cases that go to trial, the vast majority end in conviction. So the fact that this is a not guilty verdict is really a stark rebuke. The gist of the allegations here was that this lawyer, Michael Sussman, lied to the FBI when he came in and gave information about purported links between the Trump organization and a Russian bank. The problem, though, is the FBI lawyer testified in front of Congress two years after that he could not remember whether this lawyer lied about his connections to Hillary Clinton or not. So this case was tr in trouble from the start. And now we have this not guilty verdict. And so the, the essence here, and you help me with the legal part, here's the political part. Durham was alleging essentially this is a dirty trick, uh, that Sussman passed on this tip to the FBI, and then you could call up a bunch of reporters and say, hey, you should call the FBI. They're investigating Trump. It was September 2016, the meeting. The idea was the Durham's case was that this was an attempt to get an October surprise. Headlines that Trump, Trump organization under investigation right before the election. The jury says no. What happens to the rest of Durham's portfolio? Exactly. So, John, that's the political side. The legal side here, the charge is making a false statement to the FBI. This lawyer goes in 2016, Michael Sussman, the defendant in this case, he meets with the FBI general counsel, Jim Baker, who I should note, former colleague of ours at CNN. The allegation is that when Sussman went in there and met with the FBI, he said, hey, I have news about this connection between the Trump organization and this Russian bank. But the allegation is he did not say, the lawyer did not say he was working for Hillary Clinton when he actually was. The problem is the proof just wasn't there that the lawyer had withheld that fact. The proof showed that Jim Baker testified that he wasn't even sure if this lawyer had said he represented Hillary Clinton or not. And the proof showed that. So wait a minute. Did you listen to that? So the question was, did he lie to the FBI and tell them that he wasn't working with Clinton or did he withhold it? Let me ask you another question. Really easy. Let's pretend you go to meet with Mr. Baker and you're an attorney and you want a meeting with the FBI. Let me ask you a question. Do you think the FBI is going to run a profile on you before you enter that meeting? Fuck yeah, they will. And you think they won't know? 
that all of this um, debacle that was going on with the DNC server, that the FBI was involved in the hack in early 2016, and Sussman was part of it. You think his name didn't appear anywhere? You think Peter Strzok didn't know who he was? That's bullshit, because Peter Strzok met with Sussman and Hillary Clinton and Cheryl Mills. So someone's lying. And I guess it's not Sussman. Because maybe Sussman didn't lie. But does that mean that the FBI did not know? That's a lie. We must remember that Peter Strzok interviewed Hillary Clinton in regards to the email scandal while the DNC server was having an issue. And this is March 2016. This is what helped with the whole Papadopoulos narrative, too. And he met with them. He met with Cheryl Mills and Sussman. So you're telling me that Strzok, Peter Strzok, who was on text messages with Baker, And then Baker receives communication from Sussman that he has information that Donald Trump is working with the Russians, which was something that was already been worked on for a while. And the FBI had already communicated with the DNC as of, get this, December of 2015, alleging. Hey, you might be hacked. Hey, you might be hacked. (laughs) So weird. And they didn't know. See, this trial, the only thing that it tells us is that nobody can prove if Sussman lied and said, I'm not working with Clinton or didn't tell them and withheld. No one can prove that. But I can guarantee you one million percent that if John Durham actually pulls emails with Peter Strzok and Baker in regards to the mid-year review of Hillary Clinton, Sussman's name will be all over it because they met. And that's actually in one of the 302s that Strzok put up together. So bottom line here is Sussman was not the target. Because what John Durham just did today was prove that Sussman is not the person of interest. That Sussman may or may not have withheld who he was. Nobody cares. If the FBI agent didn't ask, then, um, oh, well. Now, if he lied, that's a different story. You lied, therefore, the FBI did that in good faith. But if he didn't lie and he didn't tell them that he was working with Hillary Clinton, then the ball is back at the FBI. All right, FBI, so you're telling me you met with this guy You didn't know at any time that he was working with Hillary Clinton? That's funny. You see this 302 by Peter Strzok? Yeah, right there. Do you see that? He met with Michael Sussman. Go fucking figure. You see what I'm saying? See, all these uh, purported, you know, uh, commentators, right? And people that know politics, like on Fox and CNN and Newsmax and OAN and all these other fucking pundits. That pretend to know what they're talking about. Forget that Sussman's name was all over the mid-year review. Therefore, there is no fucking way in hell that Baker didn't know that Sussman was Hillary Clinton's lawyer. And let's just listen to that tidbit again, what he said. This was the key component of the case. 
guy. He said, he said I, 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 I have news about, about this, this connection between, between the Trump, Trump organization, organization and this Russian bank. bank. But the but allegation, allegation is he did, did not say, the lawyer did not say he was working for Hillary Clinton when he actually was. The problem is the proof just wasn't there that the lawyer had withheld that fact. The proof showed that Jim Baker testified that he wasn't even sure if this lawyer had said he represented Hillary Clinton or not. And the proof showed that the FBI's own internal notes said they knew that this lawyer represented Hillary Clinton and the DNC. So what does this do to uh, to John Durham's portfolio moving forward? Technically nothing, but I think it really undermines John Durham's credibility. And I think it shows that what do we have after three years of investigation, more time, by the way, than Robert Mueller spent investigating, more than three years of investigation by John Durham, and here, this is the biggest result so far, a not guilty verdict. Ali Hona, great for the hustle and the insights. Appreciate it. Thank you. And of course, CNN is going to target the credibility of Durham. That's fair enough. Get your cheap shots, everyone, while you can. Because this just proved that it's all on the FBI. And the FBI could not point the finger to Sussman and say, well, we were duped. He lied to us. Oh, well, we did this in good faith. Fuck your good faith. You already had him on documents knowing that he was her attorney from March of 2016, yet he turns up at your doorstep in September after you get spanked. Oh, no, your spanking was imminent by Judge Collier, the FISA judge, for overcollection and spying on American citizens. But, you know, facts. Listen to how people are covering this as if it's detrimental. I think I need to write an article because obviously (laughs) everyone's got it all wrong. Today on Cox, here are today's top stories. Former Hillary Clinton campaign lawyer Michael Sussman is found not guilty of lying to the FBI. This was the first case brought to trial by special counsel John Durham. Well, I think none of us are surprised that have followed this closely because we've seen just how rotten Washington, D.C. has become. President Biden today lays out his three-point plan to tackle inflation ahead of his upcoming meeting with the chairman of the Federal Reserve. What are Biden's solutions for tackling soaring prices, and can we expect them to yield results? The elementary... Because they to the FBI before the 2016 election, he said he was not acting on behalf of a client. But Sussman later acknowledged that he was a lawyer for the Hillary Clinton campaign. Sussman says he didn't lie to the FBI. I told the truth to the FBI, and the jury clearly recognized that with their unanimous verdict today. I'm grateful to the members of the jury for their careful and thoughtful service. Despite being falsely accused, I believe that justice ultimately prevailed in my case. This was the first case brought by Durham. He was appointed during the Trump administration to probe the origins of the Trump-Russia hoax. Durham refused to answer reporter questions coming out of the court, but he said in a written statement, while we are disappointed in the outcome, we respect the jury's decision and thank them for their service. Former Congressman Devin Nunes, who's now the CEO of Trump Media, tells NTD why he thinks the jury ruled this way. I think none of us are surprised that have followed this closely because we've seen just how rotten Washington, D.C. has become. You have a situation there where you have a jury that from a jury pool that less than 5% voted for Trump, and you had a defense who very successfully painted this as a very political, anti-Trump, 
uh, issue, you know, calling it a conspiracy theory. Former President Trump responded to the verdict on Truth Social, saying our legal system is corrupt. Our judges and justices are highly partisan, compromised, or just plain scared. Reporting by Allison Lee, NTD News. And a message to the- now, let me guide all of you to an article of mine where I tell you that the FBI sat down with Sussman. This was published on the 10th of December, 2018. Let me, Peter Strzok. March 2016, Perkins Coey lawyers, HRC, and Strzok all sat down to discuss mitigation. It was clear why Strzok was tasked to this investigation, almost as clear as how William Barr was tasked by Bush in the cocaine Noriega deal. Comey's testimony reeked of compliance. Now, here is Comey's testimony from the Judiciary House. You'll see where he acknowledges that they met. During this meeting with HRC, we discussed destruction of any further evidence or emails not protected by law and formulated a plan. The source of money to fund it was the main task this meeting and determining activation of assets to Perkins Coy attorneys, Michael Sussman and our in-house FISA attorney were assigned to this. Oh, but you know, Durham's credibility. Oh no, failure. Basically, um, you are not seeing the article. <laughs> Sorry about that. Basically, what they're trying to convince us is that Durham, a well-seasoned prosecutor, is too stupid. Too stupid to know that Sussman knew, well, that the FBI knew that Sussman was working with the FBI from before. That's what's so weird. That everybody thinks that this is some, you know, new revelation. Really? Who told you that? That's so crazy. Let's see. Where is it? Mm, let me see. Listen to the case of the Nancy Sussman. The same guy that was in the meeting with Peter Strzok and Hillary Clinton and everyone. Mm. So, boom. Now we have CrowdStrike with two different contracts in the same place. The one is to make it look like a hack, and the other one is to figure out who, what, when, where, who uploaded what, still following breadcrumbs. They were right? double dipping? CrowdStrike? Yes. Oh, yes. So that was an interview that I had with Pete Scamtilly. Um, so basically during that interview, I expressed to him how CrowdStrike had a contract and I've wrote about it. So you can go check it out on torysays.com or if you want to find any time I talked about Sussman, you can go to torysaid.com and type in the word Sussman. And you know, this is AI, um, transcription. So you might not, um, be able to, you know, find it if you spell it correctly. <laughs> like Strzok comes out as, uh, um, S-T-R-O-K or uck, like struck, like I struck something. So uh, Sussman is not something, you know, new. Sussman was the same guy in the meeting with Peter Strzok and Hillary Clinton and all of them. They all knew. So how is that even possible? How is that even possible? So, again, I will circle back to the notion that I'm sorry, but, you know, Durham did not fail. He won. He can prove now that the FBI did this all along, even though they had knowledge that Sussman 
was Hillary Clinton's attorney and Barack Hussein Obama's and the DNC's. They knew it. They actually knew it. So this case, though losers say it's a failure, it's a winner. It's just showed us that the FBI did this all on their own with full knowledge. That's the way it goes. So it's not some failure when I hear that. It's just like, seriously, you have no idea what you're talking about. He didn't fail. He literally won. So let's see what other news we have. We have a lot of things going on. Arizona State Senate, uh, True the Vote exposes that they have ballot harvesting, right? That's interesting. But the most interesting of all are the news stories that we're not getting a lot of traction with. So in uh, Texas, right, they were pushing a social media censorship law which would be disallowing tech companies to moderate and silence conservatives. Well, guess what? The Supreme Court just blocked that actual law. Texas actually passed a law in last September. And immediately, people were filing against the law that was passed in federal court. And they won the injunction. They appealed the ruling when they lost in the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals to the Supreme Court. Amy Comey Barrett, Stephen Breyer, Sonia Sotomayor, Brett Kavanaugh, and Chief Justice John Roberts voted to reinstate the lower court's injunction and block the law from taking effect. Alito wrote a dissent arguing, It is not at all obvious how our existing precedents, which predate the age of the Internet, should apply to large social media companies. Interesting. Interesting. Justice Neil Gorsuch, Elena Kagan, Samuel Alito, and Clarence Thomas were the ones that voted against blocking the law. So this is a big deal because, you know, in essence, I'm going to be straight with you. Um, oh my gosh, I just um went on to Rumble. Thank you guys for the rants. I appreciate you. Um so uh cuz there's a delay in Rumble, so you know, I can't see that screen and the other. But let me tell you something. In essence, I kind of actually agree with Chief Justice Roberts, and I'll tell you why. We can't create laws that say we need to protect conservative speech, we need to protect this speech. We need to enact laws that disallow the strangulation of any speech. That's what's key. So in a way, the loss is only supposed to be to the point where it gives them the motivation to come back even stronger. Maybe they can amend right? Maybe they can add, but it needs to be fixed the right way. And the only way we can really fix this is by acknowledging them in a court of law, not just on the news and on the internet, as publishers, because that's when we can apply discrimination. So that is how it needs to be done. Now, I've been saying this for six, seven years now that we need an internet bill of rights. Because they've just deployed us into the digital age with no rights. And they make the rules up as they go. You know, 
The word cyberspace comes from the word kivernohoros. That's the word for cyberspace. Kiverno, cyber, means I govern. The word means governing area. Legit. Kiverno, which means I govern. Horos, which means area. So it is an area of governing. That is what cyberspace means. This isn't the relay. This is cyberspace. This is your new digital prison that you have joined willingly. This is how it is. Words matter, especially when defining things, because this is how they change things, by changing definitions, of course. Now, let's move on to the SCOTUS discussions. Remember a couple months ago that I said, oh, you know, in Ohio and in other states soon, uh, we're going to be able to carry guns with no concealing carry license necessary. It'll be constitutional carry. That's fantastic. And then I've been mentioning it for a while now that this is coming too. And the reason this is happening, right, is because they know that you at some point will get so upset that you will shoot that weapon. That is what they're waiting for. Because they are trying and they've been trying. Barack Hussein Obama tried real hard with all those shootouts during his tenure. But they've been trying hard to take your guns. And the only reason they want to take them is because they're doing shit that's going to make you want to use them. And what you need to do is make sure that any idiot you have that's a neighbor or a friend or anyone online that says, oh, I should just go take care of it, you take care of them. See something, say something. It takes one idiot to fuck it up for everyone. And that's fact. It's not going to be the left that's going to do it. It's going to be the right. And you have all been infiltrated in any groups that you are at. Already instigating protest. Oh, we're just going to protest peacefully. My ass you are. You only need one motherfucker with a gun in there and you're toast. And you are rounded up and you are part of an investigation. Kind of like J6. It only took one idiot to guide everyone in. And then everyone went in. And it only took one person to break down a door and then everyone went in. It only takes one. Remember that. Avoid them at all costs. Now, let's look at this. Uh, you know, every time I see Tubin, I can only think Tubin has been Lubin from getting caught on Zoom, wanking with his, you know, lotion. And yet this guy is literally on your screens. Kind of like, you know, Anthony Weiner. He's got his own show in New York on WABC 777. So weird. Now, now to, to a scene exclusive, the Supreme Court, Court taking, taking unprecedented, unprecedented steps to uncover, uncover who leaked, leaked the draft opinion, opinion of what, what will be a landmark decision on abortion rights. This is new reporting from CNN's Joan Biskupic, who joins me now with more on this. Joan, tell me what you've learned. Morning, Kate. Yes, they're really uh, escalating this hunt for who might have leaked a draft document to Politico, now asking law clerks to sign affidavits and to they're taking steps also to uh, have law clerks turn over uh, cell phone data. This is a pretty aggressive move, but it does show how seriously they're trying to take this breach after four weeks 
since Chief Justice John Roberts launched this investigation, it appears that they have made insufficient progress to uh, do anything but ramp up to this this stage. But it's a pretty uh, forceful move, and it's caused concern among some of the law clerks there. Each year, the justices hire four, four clerks per chambers, and these are uh, folks who are in there, you know, to do research, help writing opinions. And some of them are saying, you know, we didn't really sign up for this, and they're thinking, should they hire lawyers? Should they go outside and obtain counsel? And one appellate lawyer who knows about the recent demands on law clerks told me that for any other government investigation, it would be, you know, similarly situated people would go out and try to hire hire lawyers and that it would be hypocritical for the Supreme Court to say you can't go outside. Now, you know, nobody's forcing anyone to do something, but, you know, in the employment situation, just to be asked to do it uh, presents a bit of a dilemma. And I can't tell you, Kate, how tense it already is up at the Supreme Court. They're resolving, obviously, this major case having to do with abortion rights that date back a half a century and personal privacy protections, but also gun controls before them, religious liberties, several uh, hot button cases that all will be resolved likely by the end of June. And then to have this uh, intrusive investigation on top of it is certainly ratcheting things up, Kate. It's, it's really remarkable and unbelievable. It's been also uh, amazing reporting. Joan, thank you so much thank for you. bringing it to us. I really appreciate it. So for more on this, I'm going to bring in CNN Chief Legal Analyst Jeffrey Tubin. So Jeff, I mean, court officials taking these steps to require clerks to give cell phone records, sign affidavits. I mean, has there ever been an investigation like this at the court? Never, never anything like this. You know, the Supreme Court is perhaps the last institution uh, that I can think of that operates more or less only on the honor system. Um, you know, the, the confidentiality uh, between law clerks uh, among the justices is something that has really been sacrosanct. Um, I've done reporting about the Supreme Court, but only with former clerks. Um, I, it never occurred to me to talk to a to talk to a sitting clerk. And, and I never knew of a journalist uh, who had talked to a sitting clerk until this extraordinary leak. And, you know, at one level, it makes sense to ask people what's, um, you know, what's in their cell phones. But, you know, our whole lives are in these things. I mean, you know, medical information, personal information, financial information. You know, I can understand why even innocent law clerks uh, would say, you know, this I did not sign up for it, as Joan said. So I, I think this is going to present them with the dilemma. And remember, you know, they can be fired if they refuse to turn over their cell phones. You know, this is uh, it's it's uh, at will employment at the at the Supreme Court. And um, so it's really, you know, going to be an extremely tense uh, issue for a lot of these law clerks about what they want to do uh, with turning over this incredibly personal information. Because I, that's what I was going to ask you. I mean, what happens if a clerk refuses to comply? I mean, that's, I mean, you seem to have just said it right there. I mean, they could lose their job over it. They could. Um, I, you know, it's, I'm not saying they necessarily will. And, you know, it's also a, a tense situation because the individual justices are very zealous in protecting their relationships with their right. own law clerks. So they're not going to want uh, other people asking about, you know, how opinions circulate within a chambers, who has access. And, you know, some justices may take their law clerk's side and say, this is overly intrusive. I'm not going to agree um, to have my law clerks uh, investigated in this way. So what is the, the marshal who is conducting the investigation 
do then? I, I, um, I, I, you know, most leak investigations end without an answer. And I guess as a journalist, I'm happy about that because I, you know, we, we, we seek out leaks to cover the news. And this one may, may fail as well, but there may be some collateral damage to some law clerks and other court personnel uh, along the way. But, but I mean, even like on the most simple, most immediate question and getting to Jones reporting, the law clerks are considering if they need to retain counsel over this. Do you think they need to? Well, you know, I, I, I think if this were the Department of Agriculture and there was a leak investigation and people started asking Department of Agriculture employees uh, for their cell phone information, I would think they would be crazy not to hire a lawyer. I mean, this is incredibly personal information um, that's in our cell phone. You would find more personal information about most people in their phones than if you search their apartments or their homes. I mean, that, that's what our lives are like now. So, you know, the privacy interests here really are considerable. And, you know, and I think hiring a lawyer is, frankly, the reasonable response to such a request. Really an unbelievable situation. It's good to see you, Jeffrey. Thank you. Unbelievable, right? Unbelievable that someone would leak and there'd be no whistleblowers. I guarantee you, if anything leaked, that would be favorable for President Trump or under his tenure, you'd have it. It wasn't leaked. It was provided. Pretty simple. The question one might ask is, well, who got it at Politico and how did they get it? Because I can guarantee you that if this was electronically sent, I don't care how they sent it. It's already stored in the Kraken. So there's nothing you can do about that. Absolutely nothing. So, um, speaking of the Supreme Court and the leak, alleged leak, the beat, who do you think? That's a question. And I'll check the chats. Who do you think? That's a question you should ask because now that clerks are handing over their cell phones, someone must ask. Who do you think leaked it? I mean, even if they do send their cell phones, the only thing they're going to do is uh, see who had ever been in contact with them. But who do you think actually leaked it? I would actually say I've put pictures of her. That's my guess. My guess is the woman that was in Biden's house all the time as Supreme Court justice. That's right. Our very own Soto Mayer. I, I wouldn't even look at the clerks guarantee you supreme court justice herself i mean jumanji's not getting in any time soon so they say <laughs> it'll be very interesting to see who is it i mean she was at vice president biden's house a few times so weird to have a supreme court justice at your house i find that quite bizarre and quite convenient when you're a vice president, to have them on many occasions attend events at your home. Now, do you guys remember how big a deal uh, George Floyd was? It was massive, right? It was massive. He had dancing funerals, four funerals. He's being praised by Barack Hussein Obama. But we talked about another man. The man we talked about was Tony Timpa. Do you remember Tony Timpa? Tony Timpa was a white man, right? He was a white man who was obviously intoxicated. 
not really a threat. He was loud, you know, and he was stumbling about. And they put him in a deadly prone restraint. And here's the deal. His family sued, but they were blocked by qualified immunity. Well, SCOTUS actually today has allowed his family to pursue claims against the police that killed him while supposedly trying to help him. Because if you remember the video, they were laughing. Holy shit, he's dead. Oh, he was 32 years old. He was having a psychological crisis. He was under the influence. He wasn't causing anything, any trouble. He was just hanging out. He was a little bit disoriented. And they killed him and they were laughing about it. And he even said to them, you're going to kill me. And he was right. He had been he had been handcuffed by a security guard and he died because they put his face in the ground and held his face in the ground for 15 minutes. He pled to stop. He said, please, I'm not feeling too good. Stop. And, you know, while the officers kind of showed that, oh, I care, they actually laughed about it. George Floyd, that had taken drugs, that was a criminal, that had raped, got himself a parade, his family adorned with jewels, and Tony Timpa, 32 years old, had his face pushed into the ground, pleaded, saying, help me, and when he stopped talking, they didn't care, they just kept his face in the ground for 15 minutes, they were like, oh shit, I guess he's dead, oh, and they laughed about it, but because he's white, Nobody cared, but the Supreme Court does. And the Supreme Court has just given the A-OK. Timpa's family argued that the Dallas officers used the force. It was completely unconstitutional. They pushed on that. And it was perfect because it was true. The body camera footage even showed that Timpa was unconscious for several minutes before they finally lifted his lifeless body onto a gurney. And one was like, oh, if I was squirming like that, I'd be sleeping too. He was squirming because he couldn't breathe. Hey, time for school. Wake up. And they were laughing. They were laughing. They killed the guy. And just so you know, SCOTUS has allowed them to go first. And that's good stuff, right? Good stuff. That is how you get justice when you push. The family lost every single case. Everyone told them you will lose. Because you know what? The court of public opinion doesn't give a shit. He's white. And there's something called qualified immunity. So if a cop kills you, well, they're immune. No, they're not. They knew that he was disoriented. They knew that he wasn't well. He was already handcuffed, so he wasn't even a threat. And he pleaded and he squirmed because he wanted to wake up to get a breath, really. So thank you, Supreme Court of the United States for giving justice to that family. Because I find it disgusting that George Floyd got all that. Now, speaking of SCOTUS, just so you know, these are going to be criminal charges that are going to be filed, possibly, against whoever leaked it. it and you know, they were talking about Alito's descent, so how much you want to make a bet? It's Sotomayor. <laughs> I would put my money there. SCOTUS is going to be in the news. And like I said about the guns, well, SCOTUS tomorrow is going to be hearing about guns. They're actually going to be talking about guns. 
like I told you, is very, very important. And then a graduation ceremony, New Orleans. We had a shootout today. I mean, we're going to see a lot of them. We have to. They need to take our guns. How dare you think that you can maintain your guns? This is America. Somebody else is in charge. Stop asking to be acknowledged correctly as a free person because you're not. See, that's the way it is. I know a lot of people hate that when I say it, but it's true. You're not free. You're only free on paper. Because if you were free, you wouldn't be locked down. If you were free, they wouldn't be stealing your elections for over 20 years. Funny, I've been saying that for forever. I told everyone how it started, when it started, who started it, and why they started it. But I digress. I guess you have to hear from more important people that apparently know what they're talking about. Now, moving along, as far as uh, SCOTUS goes... I want you guys to know that Scotus Gate is going to be one of the, huh, well, it started brewing over a year ago, but it's going to be pretty big. Because if they get the phones of Scotus, that's where we get the communications from 2017. Justice Roberts, Barack Hussein Obama, Brennan, Comey. Oh, man. Is going to be quite interesting. It is going to be very interesting. So on that note, let's take a quick break so we can shift gears and enjoy this musical interlude. Um, maybe this time we'll do a remix. How's that? Let's do a remix. Yeah, Mozart's Requiem is one of my favorites. So welcome back. Hopefully you guys got coffee, wine, cigarettes, whatever else you need. So let's start with, uh, you know, our little symbol is Ingsoc because you're all slaves. And uh, we talked about the who. We talked about the treaty that everyone's talking about. Oh, my God, they're going to sign us on. Now, we're already signed on. But having said that, by actively engaging in creating amendments, that's where they have a problem. And the reason they have a problem is because you're not supposed to be doing that. And I know all of you have sent out letters. I will read mine for all of you to hear. On May 23rd, oh, well, it's directed to Mr. Tedros. I sent that to the Attorney General of Ohio, uh, Dave Yost, as well as Congresswoman Chantel Brown, who was selected to represent the 11th Congressional District here in Ohio, who's my representative. 
So, Mr. Tedros, on May 23rd, 2022, I was made aware that an individual alleging to represent my citizenship status and rights stated the following to you and your organization. That's why the U.S. is pleased with the consensus reached this week on concrete action and further work to strengthen existing tools available to the WHO and all member states. This includes strengthening the international health regulations from 2005, thank you, Bush, to clarify roles and responsibilities, increase transparency and accountability, share best practices, and communicate in real time with our global partners. Now, that's the first paragraph. That was actually stated by the Assistant Secretary for Global Affairs, Lois Pace. Now, let's take a pause for a second. 2005, first treaty. That's number one, right? Treaty 2005. Stated. Noted. He also said that we reached a consensus. Now, I've been seeing news where people are like, well, some of these amendments didn't take some of this, some of that, some of this. Well, that's rubbish. Nobody cares what amendments they do. We shouldn't give a shit what they do because by submitting amendments, means that you're cooperating. And if you actually read the 2005 treaty and the amendments that they're making to it, which are amendments such as, if a country does not comply with what the WHO says, we're going to be putting sanctions on them. They can oust a nation and strangulate it by creating it to be a health hazard and therefore putting it in a box and therefore we, the world, really want to save America. And since America's not abiding by these this treaty that they said they would, we're just going to send the UN troops in and we're going to fix it. And then we're at full-blown war with all the other nations that think that we're a biohazard. You see how that works. Now, that is what the ultimatum is. But let's be straight. Your citizenship cannot be diluted by the selected individual right now that is sitting in office in his administration. They're negotiating the dilution of your citizenship status. In other words, let's say they, they were, well, I didn't sign it. This from 2005. Well, you are aware that you're forfeiting more rights of Americans with these amendments that they've made and that you have fine-tuned as well such as sharing uh, private identifying information, such as your genetic information and a whole load of other things. But then Biden will say, well, that's not really illegal because the federal government can decide how to share your information according to Obamacare. Yeah, that shit's unconstitutional too. So anyway, let me continue my little letter. The Biden administration has submitted amendments to, pro to a proposed agreement such actions indicate that the Biden administration and its agents are actively violating the U.S. and state constitutions. This agreement essentially affords foreign nations dominion over our sovereignty and civil liberties provided to us by the U.S. Constitution. This is considered a high crime and even treason in our country. The purpose of this letter is to advise you that I, I have not and will not voluntarily relinquish my citizenship to the United States of America.
I have not permitted or will ever permit anyone on my behalf, nor is there a law that allows any elected, appointed, or usurper to have my citizenship canceled, shifted, or diluted. The Supreme Court has established that the 14th Amendment expressly denotes that citizenship cannot be shifted, canceled, or diluted at the will of the federal government, the states, or any other governmental unit. Now, if the WHO has dominion over your health and your information, that means that your rights as a citizen to the United States of America under the U.S. Constitution has now been shifted and diluted and placed in the power of hands that you have not elected and that you <laughs> do not subscribe to. See, that's the key here. I don't care who signed the first agreement. We know this now. What I do care about is you, sir, Mr. Biden, who decides that you and or your agents have the right to dilute my rights as a citizen. That was actually well established when they tried to take away somebody's citizenship. When someone went to Israel and voted and then they came back, they were like, oh, they should stay there. There's a law for this. And so for all these people in outrage and all this insane money that some of these motherfuckers have on Fox and all these other channels, how come nobody looked at the 14th Amendment to say, you know what? It doesn't matter if he didn't sign the initial one. He's adding to it and he knows it's unconstitutional. And in essence, by law, what he is doing is diluting your citizenship so that you are behest and you are forced to listen to another nation tell you what to do. That's huge. I then further in the letter said, the attorney general of the state of Ohio has provided a copy of this notice to you to offer him the opportunity to protect the state of Ohio's sovereignty. In addition, the selected member of Congress allegedly representing me is notified to attempt a remedy. I will be declaring this correspondence as evidence to the courts that I tried alternative remedies before filing a suit. No foreign or domestic entity has the right to control my bodily autonomy, genetic information, private information, and or freedom without my consent. I recognize that all nations that subscribe to your organizations are socialists, monarchies, or totalitarian governments, but the United States of America is one of a kind. This is a nation that is run by and for the people. The Biden administration has no authority to transfer my civil liberties to any foreign organization and has no power to do so. I would like to take the opportunity to make it known that as a citizen of the United States, I'm demanding that the United States withdraw our participation from all foreign organizations and cease providing my federal tax dollars to them. Sincerely, me. So a lot of people sent off these letters, which is important, we sent it to the who, we sent it to our state's attorney general, and to the Congress person that represents us. See, again, it doesn't make sense how all these pundits can read, 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 and they're so smart, but no one actually said that action, the action of actually negotiating our li civil liberties and forfeiting those civil liberties to people we do not elect of foreign nations, I would say that's a high crime. I may say that's treason. 
See, a lot of people think that impeachment needs a House or Senate. In fact, if you actually read the law and the case law for all the impeachments that have happened in any position from judges to executive office, if a president or vice president is found by a court to have committed treason, a high crime or a misdemeanor, now you would say that's criminal, but there are civil remedies. That's automatic impeachment. And here comes the question. Do you target Biden? Oh, hell no. You target Congress. You target all the people that participated in these conversations. And you list them all. So we should all be drafting a list of all these idiots uh, that um, we're talking about this. This is how you get things done. You don't, uh, you know alleged to know and scream out and oh my god they're sliding us over to the hoot shut up did you not see Fauci's emails who's calling the shots yeah it was a fucking who right so it's not like rocket science or something new so anyone sounding shocked just looks dumb I can't wait I can't wait now in other news CNN is telling us that the 2022 elections will be galvanizing people on both sides. Abortion, gun rights, and merge is key election issues. And then monkeypox, which, by the way, speaking of the who and monkeypox, which many of you like, oh, it's monkeypox with a silent K. Guys, this isn't funny. Monkeypox is no joke. So what have I told you before anybody told you? AIDS is involved, the way it moves with HIV, the way it expands. I also told you about monkeypox a year ago. So then you have to come to think, then, then, well, how do we get monkeypox? It's really weird. Well, the WHO came out with a directive telling people, you better cut back your sexual partners to help fight monkeypox. Wait a minute. Why would they say that? Think about it for a second. What would your sexual partner have to do with monkeypox? And why would you be getting it just by having sex? Oh, that's right. They used HIV in the vaccine. That's why now it's mandatory to screen everyone for HIV, by the way. (laughs) Like I said, they would. But if you remember, long, long time ago, I've said this. The reason I got fired from the CDC for my federal work study as a student was because I gave them a report. Let me walk you through that report. So it was 2008 and I was working at the CDC and we had been working for three weeks with a bunch of other students from around the nation that had the federal work study to sit down and put a report together in regards to the new vaccine that was being developed for flus for the fall of 2009. Well, in my report, which I filed, and this was right before Christmas, so it kind of sucks, right, that I got fired. Um, I put together a report, and I said that I would strongly suggest that we do not cultivate the retroviral DNA and mRNA, right, that was in there, right, right, right? Oh, no, mRNA is new. Fuck, no, it's not. I strongly suggested that we... Um, Stop using porcine cells as vessels. And the reason that I said this is because then uh, no matter what the stripping that we do, the mRNA, because it's, um, it's transcribing really proteins into people's bodies, would then make them susceptible to swine-like flus, even though it wasn't incorporated. 
completely. It was peripheral. And I also said this will raise concerns with the Islam, uh, those of Islam faith and those that um, uh, do not eat pork uh, for religious purposes because they are indeed taking in piggy. Right. And so I submit the report Friday. I was so proud of myself, you guys. I was like, damn, I slayed. I did this. I put all the research. I did this. I even sat there and got the Korean version translated word by word on Babel so that I can get that shit done. Right. Come Monday, a week before Christmas, I scan my ID to go in and security just flocks me says, give me your ID and hands me a box and says, yeah, your federal work study is terminated. And then months later, everybody got the flu shot and people got swine flu. And I was like, holy shit, told you so. So in this essence of things, the same shit happened. I told you that we'd have rest in Ebola that is benign to human beings popping up in people that were vaccinated. Why? Because they used Reston monkey kidney cells as vessels to create and proliferate this uh, mRNA vaccine. And not only that, they used HIV, which means, you know what HIV does, guys? Let me just... I think I've I've clarified this, but let me make it easy. Let's pretend you have HIV and it's activated. I want you to imagine a ball, just a plain white blank canvas ball. No lines, no nothing, no stitching, right? And it goes in your circulation. It's in your inter and intracellular fluids just hanging out, right? <laughs> And it starts meeting cells on the way. Oh, hey, B-cell, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm doing great. Copies it, mimics it, creates a receptor for it. And then it goes down, further down, finds another type of B-cell, you know, targeting a different kind of tissue. Like, I don't know, the first one it met was intestinal cells. And, you know, this one is going to target, I don't know, epithelial, whatever, you know. Hey, how are you doing, B-cell for epithelial? Hey, I'm doing great. Copies that receptor. Then it goes around, meets a couple T cells, copies their receptors. What's a receptor? A receptor is a position that allows that, um, that targets that T cells. So for example, if I had a receptor for you, you would immediately be attracted to my receptor and I would do shit to you, or you would cause an effect to me, or I would have an effect on you. My effect on you would usually be phagocytosis, which means I eat you and I dissolve you. You sitting on my receptor for you could kick off a cascade like apoptosis or creating viruses, whatever. So what happens is if you're using HIV and you're cultivating and resting monkey cells and, <laughs> and now you have monkeypox that's conveyed by a sex, that means you gave people a, I don't want to say benign, but I want to say blank canvas of HIV, meaning it was not your usual type of HIV but a different one that not only does it induce phagocytosis to reduce your immune system, but if it meets any immune cell that has Reston monkey DNA remnants, it then causes virulence for that. 
And this goes back, if you guys, I don't know if I put it in the Kodak ventilators episode where I was telling you about Craig Ventner, but if you remember, when I was at his lab, and he talks about it too, he took um, Mycobacterium genitalium, one of the most simplest bacterial organisms because it has no cell wall and whatever. And what he wanted to do was rewrite its genetic code so that it can make fuel. So basically what he did was he needed to knock out all, all the virulent genes. I mean, you don't want people getting UTIs. That's basically what that specific bacterium causes is uh, urinary tract infections and bladder infections. So he takes out all the virulent genes and he looks at it and he's like, all right, so this cell, I've deleted all the virulent genes in its genetic code and it simply metabolizes. And I also inserted this gene that makes it blue. So badass. And he's looking at it. He's all proud and shit, but that's in a controlled environment, 72 degrees Celsius in a peachy with agar, you know, the whole nine yards. The minute you put it into nature, virulence just appears out of fucking nowhere. So that means, that means that the virulence is coming out of uh, nowhere with monkeypox when you have sex. Because who says, hey, slow down on those partners, man. You're all getting monkeypox. Monkeypox may not be containable says the World Health Organization, and it urged people to reduce the number of sexual partners. Hans Klude, who's the head of the European uh, World Health Organization office, said even though monkeypox monkey response should not mimic the scale of COVID-style restrictions, um, people need to take this seriously and urgently. You know what sucks? For those people that have not gotten the vaccine, I can't even imagine dating right now. How do you know someone else didn't get the vaccine? How do you know they're not lying because they needed to keep their job? And then you get fucked up. What about your kids that are going to school in two, three years, right? They're hanging out with kids. You know, how do, you, how do they know? Most of these kids had stupid parents and they injected them. How, how are you going to have babies? You see? These are all questions. I'm glad I'm single and happy. Okay. Let's just say that. Um, <laughs> because it's like, <clears throat> how do you do it? How do you do it and not, you know, have it in the back of your mind that someone's lying to you and you're going to catch AIDS and be susceptible to all these monkeypox diseases, monkeypox, Ebola. And, you know, they're not going to have restrictions on that. Fuck no. We need people to die. What are you doing? Now, in other news also, um, even though before we see this clip from CNN, I, I want to talk about all these things. Um, even though we have, you know, the monkey pox going around, they're like, yeah, we're not going to do COVID-19 type restrictions. Not yet. That is right. Not yet. Okay. Not yet. You know, Shanghai just stopped their COVID-19 lockdowns today. Um, uh, Suddenly, um, research is showing from the WHO and the Chinese, of course, that um, pregnant women and children um, are and immunocompromised are more at risk um, to monkeypox, even though they're finding that um, sexual partners is higher at risk. For some reason, they're saying pregnant women and children are. So it's really weird. Um, and when the WHO made all these discussions and China chimed in, 
they kept saying that 30 years after HIV, we haven't learned anything. And they're targeting the gay population. Again, they're making this a gay disease. Huh. So weird. So weird. Gay disease, but protect the pregnant women and children and the immunocompromised. But it's gay, too. And speaking of China, I wanted to bring your attention to something. There are many times that people go and visit the White House, right? You know, we'll have an event for something and they'll do this, they'll do that, right? Today, the weirdest thing happened. These girl boys, K-pop, BTS, they're like huge in Korea, you know, turned up to the White House and were talking about Asian hate, that everybody hates Asians. But you know what's funny? Under the guise of these uh, meetings that they have, right? This is where they make the most deals. And so... I am finding it very peculiar that amidst what's going on right now, that South Korea is having chats with Biden. Makes me question, what would South Korea have to do with Joe Biden? I guess we'll find out very soon, right? I'm pretty sure the news will tell us. I mean, they're going to have to at some point. Now, in the meantime, allow them to galvanize us by telling us that we are not able to have guns. I mean, look at Canada. Shit, they're taking all your guns. Right? You'll be just like Australia soon. You'll be out there and they'll be wrapping you up and putting you on your knees. Oh, and you know, it's because of all the gun violence in America. Can we look at Chicago? Get out of here. Get out of here. So now we're talking guns, red flag laws. Oh my gosh. AR-15s. Guys, every time I see shit like this, it just makes me want to buy another gun <laughs> just to have maybe something sexy. I really want it. You know what? I, I want to get like a tan colored one. I want, or, you know, pink. That's even cooler. Pink one. Maybe I should go get a pink gun. They're pretty cool. Maybe I should put Hello Kitty on it too. Whatever. All of us shouldn't be concerned that they're coming that heavy and that strong on guns. Poor Canada. But here's what CNN says is going to be the top topics of these elections that they allegedly believe are going to happen this November. Control have quickly become two key issues for voters ahead of the midterms this fall, and that could impact impact voters voters in well-educated suburban swing districts. Many Republicans are banking on other issues like record high inflation to help flip the House in November. Joining us now to discuss all of this, we have CNN senior political analyst and senior editor of The Atlantic, Ron Brownstein, also Democratic strategist and former senior aide for the Biden campaign, Adrian Elrod, and CNN political commentator and Republican strategist, Alice Stewart. Great to see all of you. Ron, oh my God, all the great minds. Evidence? I know you always look at the data. Are you seeing evidence that gun safety um, and abortion have changed the equation for the midterms? Well, I think the question is whether they will change the equation. I mean, there's no doubt that white collar suburban areas, which tend to take liberal positions on gun control and abortion, were at the absolute center of the Democratic takeover of the House in 2018. They were indispensable to Biden's victory in 2020. Places from Philadelphia and Detroit, from Atlanta to Phoenix, all around the country, we saw white collar suburbs provide enormous, really unprecedented margins for Democrats. Republicans have been very optimistic, Allison, that they're going to be able to claw back some of 
of those uh, Democratic gains around the issue of inflation and gas prices and dissatisfaction with the Biden administration. But now we have these momentous, un- tragic events, the shootings in Buffalo and in Texas, uh, the leaking of the SCOTUS draft uh, majority opinion that would overturn Roe, that have the potential to change the issue mix. We don't know for sure yet whether it will change the issue mix, but I think uh, operatives on both sides agree that to the extent that these are the questions, abortion rights and gun safety, that voters are thinking about in these white-collar districts, it probably offers Democrats their best chance to blunt the wave that Republican thinks have been de- think have been developing for them. All right, let's separate the questions, though, between if it will um, rise mm-hmm. to the top or near the top of the issues that voters uh, choose as, as their top concerns and how much will it impact? Alice, let me come to you. And Ron lays out the stats in his latest piece on CNN.com. Close to seven out of 10 out of college educated voters uh, do not support overturning Roe. Close to nine out of 10 support universal background checks to buy a gun. How much do you think uh, maybe inaction on these two uh, issues will cost Republicans in November? I think it's going to be a a wash on both sides for this reason, Victor. When you look at uh, the issue of abortion and gun control, those are very divisive issues, very combative issues, and people are very opinionated on this. And what I expect and what I'm hearing is this is galvanizing people on both sides. Those that are uh, pro-life are are working right now. I know they are training volunteers and working to get out the vote later this summer and as we get closer to November. And those that are pro-choice are doing the same. The same when it comes to gun control issues. Uh, people that protect the Second Amendment rights are going to be out there working to protect that, uh, as well as those who want stricter gun control laws. But the key motivating factor, as we often see, is inflation and economic issues. That is one that, as you just stated in the last segment, almost half of Americans are concerned about inflation and the economy. That is going to be a big factor as we head into the midterm elections. But when it, when it comes to the key issues right now, I'm hopeful that we have progress when it comes to gun violence. And that right there, I think, will go a long way to to making voters uh, certainly a lot more comfortable with what our elected officials can do in a bipartisan nature in Washington. So uh, pushing random buttons. But here we go. This lady just gave you extraordinary information if you were paying attention. She told you that the pro-choice groups are training activists right now to deploy protests during the summer. Hot summer, I said, right? So that's one. Then you're going to get your hogs. And this time they won't choose a soy boy that can snap over your knee. She told you everything you need to know. She told you with her own mouth. And they all nodded and looked, right? So amazing. She did a stellar job. Let's give her a round of applause. She gave us real news. She told you exactly what they're doing. And then she just, you know, oh, yeah, and the pro-life people are doing. I don't see any pro-lifers saying, here's how you recruit. This is what you're going to do. Get in line. Who's getting arrested? Who's not? We need the kids in the front. Let's go. No, no. She just told you what they're doing. See, people don't listen to news. You guys are so you know, been trained to listen to things that galvanize you. Great word, galvanizing, to arouse someone to provoke, right? And that's why people listen to idiot pundits that pretend to know what they're talking about, right? Because they provoke you in like, yeah, you get it, or, oh, you know, the doom and gloom. If you listen carefully, they're telling you everything you need to know. Now let's go to the next individual. 
Um, Adrian, Adrian, to Alice's, Alice's point, uh, voters do seem more energized uh, or galvanized than they were a month ago. So here are the numbers. This is the latest CNN poll. Very or extremely. And let me just pause that. Did you see how she wanted to keep the word galvanized? She said energized, changed it back to galvanized. That's a new word. Kind of like the walls are closing in. Galvanizing, galvanizing, galvanizing. Why don't you just say it? Provoke enthusiastic to vote in the midterms. A month ago, 36% of Democrats said yes, they felt enthusiastic, extremely enthusiastic. Now it's 43%. A month ago, 47% of Republicans said they felt extremely enthusiastic. Now it's 56%. So it is working on both sides. How do you see this? Well, listen, my friend and Allison, I agree on a lot of things, Allison, but on this one, I'm going to slightly disagree because the numbers are on the side of Democrats. When you've got upwards of 90% of the American people in America support background checks, um, 90 92% support red flag laws. And then on the issue of Roe, upwards of between 70 and 80% of Americans support keeping Roe the law of the land. And that means that there's a lot of Republicans in those numbers. So ultimately, yes, I felt extremely enthusiastic. Okay, we need to listen to her numbers for a second, okay? I want you to listen to her numbers and I'll pause. Now it's 56%. So it is working on both sides. How do you see this? Well, listen, my friend and Allison, I agree on a lot of things, Allison, but on this one, I'm going to slightly disagree because the numbers are on the side of Democrats. When you've got upwards of 90% of the American people in America. Over 90% in the United States believe in universal background checks. Listen to this. And red flag laws. Listen to it carefully. Democrats. When you've got upwards of 90% of the American people in America supporting background checks. Um, 90%, 92% support red flag laws. Get the fuck out of here. Who supports red flag laws right now? Let me pick someone random. Let me look at, okay. Thomas Billings and, uh, L 18 L I'm going to call and file a report and say that you were aggressive to me as a partner. I don't care what sex you are. Guess what? They're going to come and take your guns. And then you're going to have to go to a psychiatrist of their choice to prove that you're not, you know, aggressive when you have sex. And that could be a problem for you to have guns or wait a minute. So-and-so smokes weed, take their guns. So-and-so takes antidepressants take their guns. So-and-so does this, take their guns. I can say whatever I want. That's what a red flag. Do you guys really believe that 92% of America believe this? No, but they're saying it again. Here's your narrative. Are you seeing how hot this summer is going to be? We're breaking it down. They told you that they're training. They're already giving you fucked up polls that you know are not true. You know are not true. So we've got two situations that they're galvanizing. This is the steel that's coming in. This is why they don't want to say energized or provoked or enthused. They have to be galvanized. So the hot iron's going to come from the riots, more gun shoot-ups, and pushing that all of America wants this. And this is the court of public opinion, so listen to us. Wait. You should listen to more of this. And then on the issue of Roe, upwards of between 70 and 80 percent of Americans support keeping Roe the law of the land. Uh, so, no, they don't. Actually, they don't. There are a lot more conservatives than there are Democrats that say killing babies is great. I think that um, most of the Gen Xers that benefited from abortion, let's be fair. 
most of the Gen Xers benefited from abortion, right? Because it was the time of empowerment in the 90s with the shoulder pads and women wanted to get rid of babies so they can climb up that corporate ladder. Don't forget it was Gen X. Well, now they're going to be like, I think kids need to close their legs. They don't know what sex they are. And if they get a baby, well, too bad. It's kind of like, I think Chappelle had said this. You know what he said? He said, you know, with this Roe versus Wade, he's like, I believe that women should do whatever they want. This is what he said. They should be able to get an abortion if they want to without asking the dad. And in the same essence, if a woman keeps a baby, she shouldn't come after the father because she decides to keep it for child support. Now, that was a very smart statement. Very smart statement. So the woman gets to kill the baby and not ask the man. But if the woman keeps it, she keeps him paying for the baby until it's 18. Hmm. Really interesting perspective. That argument may be coming into focus soon. So here we are with Roe versus Wade telling you that the majority of America is on board. Another lie. But these are the two galvanizing items so far that she spoke of. And that means that there's, there's a lot of Republicans, of Republicans in, those in those numbers. So ultimately, so ultimately yes, I yes, agree. There's I agree. enthusiasm, there's enthusiasm on, both on both sides. sides. But, ultimately but ultimately, the numbers, the numbers are on the side of Democrats. Democrats. Now, now anytime, anytime the White House has control, has control of one party has control of the White House, Senate, and the House, it, it does, does make it more difficult for that party to maintain control going into the midterms. Just historically, that's been a challenge. I want you to listen to that again. Now, because the numbers are on the side of the Democrats, when you've got upwards of 90% of the America, of, of people in America supporting background checks, um, 90%, 92% support red flag laws. Now watch what she says about the White House. Listen to the slip. And then on the issue of Roe, upwards of between 70 and 80% of Americans support keeping Roe the law of the land. And that means that there's a lot of Republicans in those numbers. So ultimately, yes, I agree. There's enthusiasm on both sides, but ultimately the numbers are on the side of Democrats. Now, anytime the White House has control. Anytime the White House has control. One party has control. I mean, one party has control of. White House, Senate, and the House. White House, Senate, and House. It does make it more difficult for that party to maintain control going into the midterms. So they don't have control going into the midterms. Strike number three. Hence why I say that we're going to have different types of elections at a different time because they can't have elections now. We're fighting on the machines. They're fighting on this. So nobody talks about the machines. You should be talking about Roe versus Wade and how we should have the right to kill kids. You should be talking about guns because look at all these people that are dead. See something. Wherever you are, say something. No matter how minuscule it is, see something, say something, see something, say something. Very important. So while they're going to be distracting you with all these riots, we're going to be filing a barrage of cool warrantos across the nation. And there's going to be a barrage of lawsuits to file restraining orders on the machines. So weird. So weird. It's like we're not going to have elections. Said that a long time ago. 2024, maybe sooner, right? Listen to the rest of this. 
just historically, historically that's, been that's been a challenge. challenge. But, you know, but, I think you know, the goal think here the goal is to help mitigate some of these losses. And I think especially in the Senate, in some of these key races from Georgia to New Hampshire, Democrats can do well, given the fact that Roe and guns are going to be two issues that suburban voters in particular are going to be focused on going into the midterms. Hmm. Adrian, let me ask you, um, based on some of the latest reporting we have from Manu Raju, uh, that um, Congress, Senator Murphy says that Democrats are going to be at the negotiating table on guns forever. And uh, Chuck Schumer could call a vote next week on uh, some changes. What's the wisdom of calling the vote or announcing you're going to call the vote as the negotiations go on? Is this going to be another one of the votes that Democrats know they're not going to get the votes heading into it? We've seen it so many times. Yeah, look, I think um, there, there, there certainly um, were, were some concerns about Chuck Schumer saying um, that he was not going to call a vote initially, and then he changed course and said, actually, we will call a vote. I mean, look, I think you've got to let the negotiations take place. And Senator Murphy is working very closely. Senator Manchin is obviously at the table. John Cornyn is working with sort of representing Republicans at the table. So they are quietly trying to get something done. I think they're asking for space. And so that they can try to get something to come to the table. I think maybe Schumer saying this, um, that there could be a vote next week is his way of trying to kind of push the ball forward a little bit. But I look, I, I think that there's so much at stake here. And I'm not sure that we can afford as Democrats to call something again to the floor hmm. without actually having a real negotiation. But I think we're getting close. And um, I, I certainly choose to be cautiously optimistic on this one. Alice, we only have 10 seconds. Do you think something's going to happen this time? I do. I'm hearing from Republicans that they do see that this is a time that where we need to take action. And, and the fact that Cornyn has been tasked to, to lead this and sees that this is an imperative time and we need to take action. I do see some change, but it does not need to only focus on one aspect. This is a very complicated issue that needs a complicated solution. And it's not just about uh, looking at guns, but also uh, mental health, behavioral health, uh, single points of entry, as well as law enforcement training. That's what Republicans would like to have as part of the discussion. Republicans would like to have that, would they? Hmm, that's interesting. Now, I think it's important for people to kind of just sit back for a second in everything that is happening and what is to come. Here's where I'm gonna ask the question and I'm gonna find something super simple to play, a good, you know, three minutes, so it gives people time to answer the question honestly right? Just it's one word, not a big deal. And we'll do it to the devil's trill sonata. How's that? Give it five minutes. Here's the question. If I was able to put you in touch with God right now, that he'd call you on the phone and you'd have one question to ask him, what question would that be?
fitting the devil's trill sonata is that tune pretty fitting huh so i was looking at some of the answers and what people would say very different to when i pose this question in a crowd now if i was green and i was thinking like for example how can i help my child i would just say love and you know stuff like that right but here's the real thing here's why i said the question the majority of you were asking pretty much how you can help. Think. This is God. He created everything in the dark. And in essence, most of the questions had one thing. Why? Or what is my purpose? What is happening? Who am I? These are all questions that would come back to it. Because if you had that one chance of asking why or what, right? And think, most of us are parents. I am. The one thing that we can all say is it is with love. Yeah. Have you guys seen the, um, the birth? I mean, you can Google it. It was years ago, I think, where they gave birth to a child and it was dead, stillborn. And... You know, usually parents, women that give birth to a child only for it to die or be dead while they're giving birth to it, they actually picked it up and held it. The mom had the baby on the chest. The dad had the baby, you know, with him and they were sobbing and they were just giving love and sobbing of love, not so much the devastation because she knew as she was going through delivery that, um, you know, it was, it was going to be deceased. She had already cried about that, but she just saw how beautiful and how much, and guess what happened? After something impossible, the baby came back to life simply with love. So when we're looking to help people, I guess it's love. So then you have to think if I were green and I love, love, love. Well, if you were to ask him why, so full of love, right? Why and who? 
And that's a question that almost everybody has. People want to know the purpose. Tell me what I'm supposed to do. Tell me how I'm supposed to do this. Tell me how, what can I do? Because in life, from birth to death, the one thing that we do is strive to do something, whatever it is. And unfortunately, we're so focused on what we're supposed to be doing, we forget to do things. And not only that, we then find ways of ostracizing people around us in the sense. What is ticking? Something's ticking. I don't know. Can you guys hear that? I hear the knocking. And I'm alone, so that's creepy. So uh, we usually set people aside because, you know, I look after myself, right? I look after myself, my interests, my kids, correct? But see, okay, you can keep yourself separate, but we're herds because cattle and all, right? Human beings are herd animals. Regardless if you don't come in contact with someone physically, we're still in communication as a herd. People by nature, by nature, crave contact with other people, regardless how it is, regardless how it is. And this is why the majority of you were asking, what can I do to serve? What can I do? It's the obedience side. But it's all about just trying to figure out life, right? And you know what the best one is? How do you know success if you don't know failure? How do you know pain if you don't know happiness, right? And a lot of people will tell you, you know, oh, well, I'm an empath. Guys, okay, let me just stop right here for a second. I saw my daughters going on about this in Puerto Rico, and I have to say this. I was, uh, they, they, they saw me upset. I dropped something, broke, it was shit. I looked upset, right? I was upset, right? F-bombs left and right. I was like, nobody stop there for me. And Phoebe said, I'm an empath and I can tell mom is upset. I'm an empath and she's raging. And I'm like, what? So apparently on TikTok, people call themselves empath and therefore they can feel what other people feel. Well, I'm here to tell you, Empaths, they know pain because they've been through it. And the reason that they empathize is not because, oh, yeah, I'm just really good with people. It means that in a room, in a room, an empath can sit in a room and there'll be 10 people that walk in and they will immediately hone into the one person in the room that is a threat. And this is something that they gain from a very young age. It's experience of knowing that if I do this, my mom's going to pull out the belt, right? And if she says words like this, she's going to do this or, you know, even worse things, right? So empaths don't empathize. They can smell threat because they've learned. So what would an empath ask? It would probably ask the same question if they could. Who am I? What's the purpose of all of this? Why am I here? Right? Why am I here 
experiencing all of this? Right? That's a very good question. I. Why am I? I, I, I. But then, you know, as we see all of these things that are coming to fruition, we're all saying why. Why has this happened? Why did we allow COVID to happen? Why are these people selected? Why? Can anyone tell me why? The why. The why. The why is because of you. Nothing that happens in our life, in our community, isn't because of something we haven't done. You were busy picking out backsplashes while they were busy stealing your elections for 20 years. You were busy hitting up the hotties in the club while they were manufacturing wars and giving our money away. You would tune on the TV, which is television, <laughs> telling you a vision of what you're supposed to see. And you trusted them blindly because you let that happen. Again, it was the people that made all of this happen. But it's also the people that are rectifying it too. That's how people get liberated. You get liberated by understanding exactly where it went wrong. And the where it went wrong and shouldn't happen again is that you weren't paying attention. You weren't paying attention to what they were doing. You weren't paying attention to how they were doing. You weren't paying attention. And even today, listening to that CNN video, how many of you actually paid attention that they told you, you're having riots this summer, we're training people. Hey, by the way, we're going to be pushing these red flag laws, you watch. We're going to take your guns. Oh, don't mind the fact that all these elections are being called and recalled. Don't mind that all of these things about machines being fraudulent and having, you know, instructive ciphers within their trap doors, mind you, that's dumb too. Pay attention here. This is how a war is being conducted in 2022. Distraction, rubbish, and telling you things that galvanize you or provoke you. Ah, oh, fuck, Durham lost. Damn it, next time. No, I didn't lose. He just got a solid case against the FBI. They did it themselves. Guess again. So the question is, why are you listening to any of this? Why are you watching to any of that rubbish? See, that is because of you as well. <laughs> I mean, they wouldn't be important if you didn't follow and share them. They wouldn't be important if you didn't turn on the TV. They would have zero power over you. The only power they have is the one that you give them. How many times have I said this? They have no power except for the power you give them. No power. And therefore, I think, um, ah, you know, it's, I think it's important that we see this now. So there's two of them. I'm only going to show one. Give me a second. Let me pull this up because I got to get it on the screen. 
There we go. So this is one of the pictures of Justice Sotomayor at Biden's house. There's another one on my Telegram. When did I post those? A really, really long time ago. So weird. Um, so I, you know, tomorrow we're going to have a lot to talk about. Let's put it that way. There's nothing much more to say on, on SCOTUSgate. I, I shouldn't speak on it anymore. Not today. Anyway, not today. Now, I wanted to <laughs> kind of just keep you guys uh, advised. Uh, as you know, there was a weird plane crash on the mountainside in Nepal. Uh, they recovered all bodies. 22 of them were there. It was a really bizarre um, crash. The plane uh, was going to a place where um, foreigners hike. So, um, from what I gather, there were, um, two Germans on the plane, um, about four Indians. They don't know the others. Again, it's where foreigners go for hiking. I just, um, thought I would bring that up because I don't see a lot of people, uh, talking about that, uh, yet. And maybe that could be important if we look at all the people, kind of like that plane crash or the disappearance of the crash and the plane crash that happened to be bombed over Ukraine that they blame Russia doing it. And when it was actually the Ukraine, you know, with the HIV doctors, that one. Yeah, that's pretty interesting. It happened in Ukraine. <laughs> so weird. But they blame Russia for it, of course, because it was Russia. And Russia was like, why would we shoot the plane down? I don't get it. And then, yeah, you know, stuff you miss, right? Now, um... The Supreme Court is going to be hearing um, a lot of um, free speech and Silicon Valley's um, suppression of speech. There have been a lot of attempts to go forward with litigation. So let's say this. If I knew that all these cases are in the pipeline and I knew that things were going to be happening... And I wanted to mitigate it, and I wanted to fuck the court up first. I would appoint a new SCOTUS on the ready. Why do you have one on the ready? When have we ever preemptively sworn in a SCOTUS? I, I just, I'm just being the devil's advocate here, right? That's number one. So preemptively. And so say SCOTUS happens and all of these things are coming in. Uh, maybe the leak was from your place, but I didn't do it. But we have the technology that, could says, that can say you did. We can manifest text messages and retroactively place them. We can manifest fake-ass emails. Go figure. Because, oh, no, no, we can't. Not with this internet. There's no, no, but I'm talking about the quantum internet. And there is no such thing. Yeah, that's why they have antiviruses for quantum internet, right? So weird. So weird. We're making an antivirus for shit we don't have. And everyone's buying into it. You see? You see? You see how they're doing it right in your face and no matter what anybody tells you. <laughs> Whatever. So then how do you stop? The Supreme Court from taking your power. Because if I'm telling you where it, I allege it may have come from, what if they pointed in another direction? Oh, it's your wife. 
Yeah, it's you. It's your wife. Pillow talk. Huh. You see, that's the real SCOTUS game. Swap, right? The setup. You can see the setup. Oh, we're just going to confirm her now so we're ready to go. So we could get one of our own in when he resigns, right? You're resigning, right? You're totally resigning, right? Totally resigning, right? Not resigning yet. Oh, he's not resigning it. We need to get another one quick. All right. So let's leak something from SCOTUS. Who's it coming from? Get one of the conservatives. All right, let's build it. See, you're going to see how this works. But in the end, there may be people that don't exist that already have all that paper trail of the discussion, too. I mean, do you really think that drones are everywhere? We've had drones for forever. They come in all shapes and sizes from spiders and flies and shit. So it's quite fascinating. If you think about it, you think, how do they stop what's coming? Well, how do they delay? Because there's no fucking way they can stop it. How do they delay? Well, the way you delay is by causing more chaos. Oh, no, they're going to suspend elections. We have to do something. Suspend elections. Oh, you know, it's going to be so funny because the investigation, just as SCOTUS is going to have discussions about shit that's really important, suddenly they're going to be like, oh, we found the leak. So they're holding that. We found the leak. Yeah, we did. We found the leak. Oh, how convenient. You just found it now after months? Because, yeah, we, you know, we were doing an investigation and, and, and now we found the leak. So, um, so, yeah, we found the leak now. So it's pretty cool. What do you think? Think they found the leak? Or they created the leak and they're just going to present it when they want it. You see, that's how corruption moves. A little bit here, a little bit there. But the scenario is always the same. No changes in the game plan. Therefore, hopefully people that don't exist have copies of those communications and have presented them where they need to be. Fun fact of the day before we go. The, R- the IRS is domiciled in Puerto Rico. So fucking crazy. Why would the headquarters for the IRS be domiciled in an annexed location? Territory. Hmm. Acquiring minds want to know. On that note, guys, I will see you guys manana. Have a wonderful evening. God bless. 